How's it going? It's good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Yes, of course. Thanks for having me again. Awesome. Um, I just wanted to go over a couple things here before we get started. Um, on this particular podcast, we have no official sponsors. This is a um, advertisement-free zone. Oh. But um, that's not going to stop us from, you know, talking about different products and, you know, myself or guests. If there's anything out there that we feel is, would be a benefit to the community, then I would wholeheartedly um, allow any of the guests to talk about any of their sponsors or any kind of product that, um, you know, they feel is beneficial to them. Uh, we, if, um, to everyone out there listening, if they want to help support this podcast, um, if you go to the show notes, there's a little link where you can donate, um, to the show directly. It's just a donation. And, um, that's pretty much about it. I think the best way that you can help support this podcast is by supporting your local dealer. Um, it'd be best if you support my dealer, which is West Coast Archery. Um, and it'd be good if you could support Heather's local dealer. And who would that be, Heather? That would be Wilderness Archery in yeah. Rockland. Yeah, so if you're up in the, you know, Rockland, Sacramento area, go give them, go share, show them some love and tell them that uh, you went there because you heard it on a podcast, even if you go there all the time. I don't. Make, because of Rudy. Yeah, make it up. Say, you know, Heather and Rudy said, go, you know, <laughs> we're going to support local business. Absolutely. Awesome. So you've been pretty busy. Um, needless to say, so even from the time that you and I last talked, which was about two weeks ago, mm -hmm. um, congratulations on your podium finish. Thank you. That was a ton of fun up there. It's, uh, the USA or like the world field archery is probably my favorite format to shoot. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's not more popular over here in the States. It's a lot bigger in Europe. I mean, they just had mm -hmm. their European field championships over there and it's a big deal. Um, but not many people in the United States shoot it. I mean, there's a handful. Yeah. And it's a shame because it's very, very fun and it requires, it's not just, you don't have to just shoot archery well. I mean, there's a whole nother skill set involved in the unmarked portion of it that makes it really, really fun, really challenging, and also really rewarding once you figure it out. It's definitely a format that, like, I have been very curious about. But um, because there's, you know, it doesn't really happen on a regular basis. And then, like, I've never gone and done it. And I know for, like, me personally, like, I need to have something to do like I need to have an event or some sort or something coming up to plan for or train for in order to like be motivated to learn about it like I don't just want to learn about something just in theory I want to be like oh like there's a, a 3d shoot or there's a a tournament in two months and it's a different format so then I want to train for it and be ready for it you know exactly. so but it's also got to make sense because I know like for you, you're a full-time, you, you know, archery's not your full-time job. You have a normal job. So it's also got to make sense financially in order to, you know, make that happen. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, I wish like at, as I was getting ready for this tournament and it's like, I have all of my own targets that I practice with for the ranging and, uh, 
because I mean, it makes a difference. You need to practice on what you're shooting at. It's not, like I said, it's not just shooting an arrow in this format. Um, but the whole time I, I was just wishing that there was more of this archer around. It got me thinking, I, I don't know if I can make it happen or not, but I'd really like to try to get something going, whether it's just like a, you know, I don't even know how I'd call it, like a sectional shoot. Just something, even Nevada City, even if it's just a mm-hmm. league night, just to introduce people to it. Because I think even NFAA is the same way. It's like if people don't start getting more involved with that kind of archery, it's going to disappear. Right. And I think it requires uh, so much time and effort to keep it running. And they're, they're, there's not enough volunteers that want to do it. Right. And, um, I think that like there's a lot of things going on in our industry right now. And, and, and sometimes I think like us and target archery, like we have on these like horse blinders and we only want to like see what's important to us or like what we like. And it's Mm -hmm. really hard to kind of see what's happening out there. Um, You know, I, myself, I, I have to kind of pay attention and I've had to like learn to put on different hats. Like I have to put on, my bow hunter hat. I need to put on my target archer hat. And then I need to put on like my beginner hat to kind of, you know, you know, when you're servicing a community in an archery shop, you, you need to figure out what the, you know, what the needs of the community are and what are people interested and, and, um, you know, what's going to drive up the numbers or what's going to get people interested. And unfortunately it seems, well, not unfortunately, but fortunately it seems like people are more interested in like the tactile events Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, cause those type of events have been showing some massive numbers and that's not competitive at all. That's just like shoot up and shoot your bow. Yeah. You said, I, I didn't hear you right then. You said like the, the tax style. Yeah. Like, like the, the total archery challenge. Yeah. 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 You know, the, um, I, I, I don't know if you listen to the bow junkie podcast or, uh, Greg pool and, or Kefaru, like. Greg Poole and Aaron Snyder had this whole hour long uh, or probably two hour long conversation about those types of events and target archery. Um, did you hear it? Yeah, I don't know if you listened to it or not, but I didn't listen to that one. No, essentially like uh, Greg kind of coined a phrase in it and it makes sense. He calls them lifestyle events. Cause like, mm-hmm. that's kind of what they are. You, you know, the people, people go to those events and they're really more there for like Instagram moments and taking pictures of themselves and whatnot. And, kind of showing showing off the sport but um like at least i'm sure you're the same way when you're in competition like and you're like four targets into it and either you're a point behind your competitor or you're two points ahead of your competitor are you thinking about taking a selfie or posting a picture on instagram not normally i won't say it's never happened but You're right. It's not the first thought that goes through my head. You're there to win. You're there to compete. Yeah. You know, so and like, generally you want to do that, that sort of thing after you're done. You don't want a distraction. Right. It's not, you're not basically filling up your Instagram reels um, or your TikTok like mid event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but I mean, those, those events are, I mean, like, like Greg said, they, I mean, they're so big for the archery community. I mean, yeah, they get a lot of people they're in. They're huge. Everybody shows up. Everybody just has a good time. I mean, people are wrecking arrows left and right, and they, they love it. They're like, yes, I'll yeah. just buy more, which is exactly, I mean, that's what keeps this industry alive is 
getting people into it, no matter broken what it arrows. is, whether it is Target. Well, yeah, broken arrows. I mean, you need more. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> well, but I mean, the reason I brought that up people, too. Sorry, go ahead. As I say, seeing people have fun like that is what it's really all about. Because you you want to build the the sport, no matter what it is. And if that's what they're into, definitely support all of that. But I think there's a there's a middle ground between just target archery and the total archery challenge stuff. And I believe that that is field archery. Yeah. And so like the reason I brought that up was like, how do we boost our numbers? And I, and I, and I don't think that like, um, like trying to combine or merging those events is like really the way to go about it. Like we just have to make like what we're doing more appealing to people yeah. to want to do it. And so I, I don't know. One of the challenges that I've faced when trying to promote archery is like explaining archery to someone who walks in the door and goes, yeah, I think I want to get into like, like tournament shooting. And then it's like, they know nothing about archery. And then you got to explain to them what the ASA is, what the NFAA is. And then there's, but then there's also the IFAA and then there's world archery. And Mm -hmm. then there's, and then every, every two years they do a, you know, an unmarked like field, but it's different than the NFAA version. It's like, there's a lot (laughs) going on. So you know, which is good. I mean, we have a lot of different formats, but I think at some point, like, what do you think? Should we like try to focus on one type of archery? I don't, I think that's, what's got us to where we are now. We've just really pushed people into the easiest one to explain mm-hmm. to be honest. I mean, it's like, well, you want to shoot your bow competitively. This is the easiest one. It's got the least amount of rules. Go for it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think for I like, a, sorry, go ahead. I think, I mean, the biggest issue with the NFAA rounds and even the USA field rounds is they're long. I mean, there's a lot of arrows in a round. It's 24 targets for world archery, 28 targets for field archery or for NFAA, mm-hmm. and four arrows or three arrows per target. And it, people just get tired, especially somebody that's just getting into the sport. I mean, that's a lot of arrows. Yeah. And, and I guess, like, too, like, uh, you know, like one of the, the challenges that like when, when we would have club shoots and stuff, like, you know, people would be like, uh, yeah, I, can we make them shorter? Cause like I got stuff to do. And it's like, people would only want to shoot like a club shoot that was two hours long. And it's like, you can, you can take like the almost a whole day to shoot a field round, mm-hmm. you know? So, but I still love that format. So I do too. I just think in order, like as a, locally what you could do at your you know your your own club is you could do like half field rounds or something just to get people into it yeah like that's been successful understand the rules and but if we got those kind of things happening more often it might be more fun i mean even our our state field we only do 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 we do the full we do the full one never mind it, it's it uh it's been a while. I know that when they did the mail in one where like before it went to like Northern California or Southern California, um I, I know it I know it was um um it it was modified. I think it was like fourteen, fourteen and fourteen. Yeah, I thought I remembered that at one point too. Yeah, you know, so so it wasn't um you know, it was only one day not not a two-day format so mm-hmm. which wasn't bad but i know that you said you want to try to expose people to um the unmarked you know version of that and so 
Nevada City you think would be a good place for that? Nevada City does have the range for it. I mean, there is an unmarked uh, 12 target course up on the top side of the range. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I mean, it has that part of the range hasn't been maintained as well as the rest, but it would be a really neat spot to be able to, like, if it was once every couple of weeks just to get people around and enjoy that sport. Because once you do it, and if you get enough people to make it competitive, I mean, nobody, I mean, that's untrue. There's a lot of people that do just like to shoot, but part of what makes it so desirable, I think, is going competing against people, shooting a better score than the next guy. I mean, I, I'm a competitive person. I like that. Even if I get beat, it's like, oof, I want to go out and beat that person the next time. Right. Um, I think if you got it into that kind of uh, atmosphere, it would shed a little light on the sport itself and what it entails to where it's. Because it isn't one of those sports where you just have to hit the middle the most times. On that first day, you just have to be more accurate with your your thinking, your math, your what you see. Like there's mm-hmm. a whole another aspect of it. It's really really neat. Yeah, I I, I li- that's the aspect of like field in general. I like you know you have to you do have to use a little bit of a critical thinking skills, and then when you're dealing with unmarked that adds a whole nother component. And like I said, I've never done it, but I'm very, I would, I would love to try it and do it. Um, so tell me about how it went this, this last weekend. Um, uh, who, who did you shoot with and what, what did your, who was, uh, on your target? Let's see. On day one, I shot with Toya and a couple other ladies, a uh, couple other ladies from Washington, actually mm-hmm. both named Carrie. Uh, one of my good friends, Carrie Craighead, she was, she stayed with me all weekend. And then uh, Carrie Lynn was the other gal. And it was both of their first time shooting field, and they were scared. And Carrie asked me up and down, like, oh, my God, am I going to be stuck with somebody that's going to, you know, get me confused on the rules? And, and that's another myth, I think, that has been brought up in the field archery because there are so many rules people are scared that they're going to get on a target with somebody and they're not going to tell them the rules and they're going to lose points by just mistakes meaning Uh, meaning they might get someone who's a butthead and is just trying to like win win on technicality exactly and no i mean and honestly and you get up into the groups that like any of the pro groups i've ever shot with since i've been a pro no absolutely nobody plays like that Mm -hmm. i don't i haven't if they have i've been too dumb to notice um, but everybody's helping each other out. Nobody wants to see somebody shoot the wrong target or, you know, lose points yeah. because of a default like that. So it's it's a lot more supportive than the stories I used to hear before I started shooting pro. Yeah, uh, I, I'm a stickler for the rules, but I certainly will do my best to try to, like, prevent someone from making a mistake, you know, you know, before, you know, before enforcing the rule. But if if a mistake happens, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to be a stickler to the rule by all means. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's I, yeah. There's nothing, I'm not disagreeing with you there yeah. either. And if that were the case, we always follow the rules, but we try not to let people make Ex- good. Yeah. Those yeah. mistakes. Like, like USA archery is different from NFAA as in the top target always shoots first. Mm-hmm. NFAA always the bottom target. So that's something like it, if it was a change, it always try to remind the group shooting first, like, Hey, shoot the top target just because nobody wants to see that but kind of like when we shoot a vegas run and we get halfway through it everyone's like top target bottom target exactly like, nobody every, wants to see we're like we're always like uh reminding each other 
Yeah, exactly. So that's the kind of atmosphere that was in the group all day. Everybody was trying to help each other and also teach these new archers how to shoot this format um, because we want people to show up. I mean, this, this year we had the most in the senior women's class that I've seen since 2016 that I've been shooting it. That's awesome. Which is impressive. It was only seven as opposed to five, but was there a lot of people there from Washington? Um, there was, there was a handful. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know where a lot of the bare bow shooters were from, but I'd say it was like 40%. Of the compound art? No, not even that. Probably less than fifty percent. So maybe forty. Yeah. So, um, so how do you feel with your performance? Like, uh, like day one. Day one was the unmarked day, and I was really, really happy. I was a little nervous because I hadn't done it in so long. But I ended up. I shot my my personal best on an unmarked round, and I only. I never misfaced a target, and I only misjudged one once and shot a really big three, which was really unfortunate. But a big three meaning uh, it was uh, it was a steep. It wasn't even target close. It was pretty. <laughs> no, yeah. So it scored six as the inner yellow, and uh-huh. then the rest of the yellow is five, four, three, two, one is the scoring ranks. And so on my first arrow, I just I misjudged the distance and the cut and shot a high three. And I mean, that was, I really only had one bad target like that. Um, the rest of it was, I usually got my range right and then just maybe made some bad shots. So I was really happy with that. That put me in a really good spot going into Sunday on the mark day. And I kind of, just the way this year has gone, I haven't been as confident with my shooting as I've wanted to be in the past. And I got in my head that I just wanted to hold on to third instead of progressing to second or first. Um, and I don't know if you've known, you know, Toya and Paige, but they're really, really good at field archery also and mm-hmm. shooting in general. And so my goal focused on just keeping third. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I watched the score on Saturday and I mean, by no means was that like a default position. I mean, you were right there. I mean, the points yeah. were pretty there was only a few points, uh, you know, spread, you know, which, um, I think, I think you are probably in just a good a position to win it going there. Or, you know, I, I felt like you, you were in a, you, you could have gone there and you were in a position to win it. Like, but, you know, but, um, so on the, I, I don't know if I asked you the last time, but you are, you shot the the Pierce tours at this event, right? I did. You yes. did. Did did you ever consider maybe shooting a lighter arrow for this event to try to like you know if if you were off by I don't know how far apart the yardages are, but like if you misjudged by a yard or two, is it one of those? Is it are is the 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 variance in in target face that much to where you can still catch the line or catch the dot? if you're off by a couple yards? Yes. I think it does play a big factor. Um, For me this time, like I said, I've been battling with shooting lower poundage bows all year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm already shooting a really light arrow. I really couldn't with my draw length 
um, the poundage I'm shooting, I really couldn't go with any lighter of an arrow. And Me- meaning like meaning like an ultralight or something like that. It was already. I don't think it. I mean, my my arrows were already 309 grains. I think. Oh wow. Pretty light. Yeah. Um, and so I don't feel comfortable shooting much lighter than that. <laughs> yeah. Was, okay. Yeah, that is pretty light. At 28 and a half inch draw length. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I have seen people in the past have different setups for each day to save speed. Oh, really? Um, mm-hmm. But honestly, like, the system that you can use to range, once you get good at it, once you practice it, it's really, I mean, I'm always, other than that one, I'm mm-hmm. generally within a meter of the actual distance. Okay. It's a pretty... It's a pretty good system. If you if you can hold well and you have your setup right, you can get pretty close. And usually within a meter, you I mean, you can catch the top or bottom of a six if it's a good shot. Okay. At least with my setup, so I wasn't too worried about trying to get it any faster. Okay, that that I guess that answers my question. Like you know, you're you're the setup that you have now. You got it to where you're within a meter, so um, that's pretty healthy. Um, and then, so day three, uh, was that a stronger day for you? Um, the mark day was not a strong day for me. Uh, I shot, I, I felt like I shot pretty well overall, but the, my shoulder, the, a couple of the inclines, like steeper shots made my shoulder pinch a little bit more than I have the rest mm-hmm. of the weekend, which was actually really good. It, it held up for like two days instead of hurting immediately on the first day. And it just slowed me down. And after letting down so many times on Saturday, I was just pretty tired and not making the strongest shots that I could. And just lost a lot of small points like that. I mean, it's like the six ring, it's a, a, like similar to an NFAA field round. So an X is basically worth one more point as opposed to the five. So, I mean, hitting the X is a point extra. So you, you're just out, you're losing points every single target. Yeah. Okay. So that's where those big gaps get created like that. I mean, you could be just off. And, it's like, oh. and you didn't hit the X and you're, you're missing a point. Yep. Yeah. So you're pretty, but you're still like pretty well, hap- you're pretty happy overall with your performance there. I am really happy. It was a, a much needed, podium finish for me mentally mm-hmm. it was a really good way to end the season um to go into not only indoor but uh pages shoot that she's putting on in jordan yeah i was going gonna ask that about that a, yeah with a little bit of a high horse just feeling confident so tell us a little bit more about that project that was a good segue yeah um uh, i don't know too much more other than I mean, what she's told on her uh, post that she put out as far as they're introducing archery to the country of Jordan as a sport, as opposed to bows being weapons. Mm-hmm. And so her and her, uh, the, the partner she has in this, they've been working really hard to try to put these facilities together over there. that are like pro shops and also archery ranges that are, it's kind of similar. I would say like to a gym membership almost. Um, this is my understanding. And so people can now purchase or they will be able to purchase their equipment 
and be able to shoot at the facility, but because they still consider them weapons, they cannot leave the facilities. Mm -hmm. So they have to store them there. But it's introducing archery as a sport, um, which is really, really cool for in, in so many ways. It's a it's a starting it's a starting point for them, so they could, I mean that that could very well change in the future where people could probably take their stuff home. Exactly. Who knows? I mean, it's yeah. it's a baby step at least. Absolutely. Um, and then so their like grand opening for this shop is going to be the Pages tournament that she's putting on. It's going to be 150 archers from all over the world. She, it's going to be a FIDA, so there'll be a day of qualification and then, uh, matches on the second day. So it'll be and, a 50 meter round. Yep. Okay. Yep. And though the venue from what I'm told is going to be on the beach. So that'll be fun. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I know it's not the ideal part of the world to be going to right now, but yeah, I'm sure you'll be fine. I'm excited. I think it's a pretty safe country. So yeah. And, uh, like from what I understand, listening to Paige's interview, uh, sounds like for the, us working class people, having all expenses paid is not too shabby of a deal. Not at all. Yeah. So all the archers themselves get all expenses paid, flights and hotels paid for, and then they they're helping out with a little bit of the cost for like a plus one. Nice. I assume that yeah. uh, you're taking Kenny. As long as he can get the time off work, he's coming. So. All right. Well, if Kenny if Kenny can't go, you know, you, you just give your old buddy Rudy a call. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talk to him about it. No joke. I might need a bodyguard. Who knows? You know, I you know I might you know you know I, I'm built to blend in in that country. So. <laughs> I I wasn't gonna say it. That's all right. I'm okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that, I mean, that sounds really exciting. Have you thought about how you want to train for that? Or are you just going to like, it's another shoot, you know, I'm just shooting arrows. It's just yellow instead of orange or, it you know, is another shoot, but it's also a format that I really honestly have never shot. I mean, I, I've shot, um, like full fetus, uh, like the pack coast and, yeah. Like Grape Stakes Tournament down to Discovery Park. But, I mean, those are 14, 40, 1,400 pounds. Mm -hmm. So they're a little bit different. And I don't shoot, shoot them often. Uh, so I, I did this week. I completely I have a different setup for my scope and lens and everything that I want to look at a yellow and green and red and all the colors face. Which I'm not a big fan of. But So have you uh, – so what what are what is your scope setup going to be for that? What are you going to try first? Right now, I'm going to try. Um, I thought about going back to a black dot, and I've just never really been a fan of that. I like a green fiber, but generally my, my fiber washes out on the yellow. Mm -hmm. I've tried red. I just don't quite like my eyes just don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it gives me anxiety or what. Uh, so... I changed it up. I went back to a smaller housing. Actually, I went back to a 29 millimeter, uh, seven power lens, feather vision, and I'm running a 0.2 yeah. fiber, all fanned out. So it's a real big green fiber. I have no issue seeing it. And the smaller, how smaller much is lens, it? How much is it covering the yellow? 
the green fiber itself? Mm-hmm. I at fifty That's meters, right. it probably covers the tin ring. I mean, I can see yellow around it, mm-hmm. but I have no issue seeing it. Like I can see when it's in the middle or when it's not, but it will float around in the yellow. Yeah. Um, but have I you like tried the blue? smaller. I haven't tried blue because I just can't see it enough and without a light in that format. Yeah, and then you can't have any electron any. Yeah, no electronics. Yeah, I played around with a lot with uh, a blue light recently on indoor, and I see it really good. But then I'm like, well, I can't get used to this because I'm gonna have to have a battery. You can't exactly. But I thought I would still try it and just to see what that's like. So you could do it for Vegas. I could, (laughs) but you know, I'm a simple, I'm a simple-minded person. I I need to like kind of pick something and and like commit to it and and not change it you know, a week or yeah. two before. So I think that's a really good thing. Yeah. Personally. So I mean, you, you tried to, at least you know what you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, you know, sometimes, uh, the, the list of what you don't like is bigger than what you do like. So I need to, I, I need to experiment more and find other things that work. But yeah, so, so that you're not going to rule out a black dot. You may go back and try that. You're I liking the green fiber. How do you I run really your like fiber? I really like the green fiber. Um, with an up post. Okay, it's coming up from the bottom. And then you're wrapping the the And then the, wrap the, around fiber. the housing. Okay. Yep. Uh, and there's just a, I'm using the Shibuya fiber kit. It just has little tubing and it goes all the way around. Uh, so I have no problem seeing it. It gets plenty of light. Uh, if it gets too bright, I can just cover it with a little shade. No big deal. Mm-hmm. But I so far this week, I haven't it, had any issues seeing and i i like it i'm running a i think an a the hamski clarifiers an a clarifier lens okay and so it clears everything up just enough but i i don't lose my fiber at all oh that's good um all right so you're gonna you're gonna play around with dot sizes is there anything else that you're gonna add to um your process to get ready for this event nothing that i don't try to do every day i mean i feel like it's going to be the same theory as everything else like i my biggest struggle is timing my shot timing tends to be long each time and so my biggest nemesis is a shot clock of any Mm -hmm. sort Uh, so my biggest focus is just making strong smooth and well-timed shots and just go from there are you going to use um a different release or like i guess i should ask are you using a a hinge or a thumb button i've gone back to my hinge i do have a button in my quiver at all times just in case but generally i always get my best results from the hinge no matter what Mm -hmm. um Every time I try to switch, I can make about five good shots with the button, and then it goes downhill from there. But it's <laughs> nice to have just in case and to know you can use it. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. It's funny, on my hunting bow, it's like zero problems using a thumb button. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, I can I can go shoot an entire field round with my hunting bow and a and thumb button. Execution, so good yeah, and all then, the time. And then I pick up my target bow, and I turn into like a I, – I, I turn into like this uh, – complete mess you know <laughs> <laughs> so. yes, i do know 
Um, but um, so you're gonna you're gonna shoot um, your hinge. Do you, are you gonna do you shoot with the click or no click? I don't shoot with a click anymore. I used to, but for the last couple of years, I've taken it out. Uh, so I'm just gonna run that. Nice. Just, and who knows? By the time you get there, it could be windy as all hell on the beach, and things might change. Because we all know that hinge, hinges are no fun in the wind. No. But this is my game plan. I'm gonna stick to it for the next few weeks, trying to get ready, trying to just increase my finding consistent scores how about that yeah when um, and what when is this event happening um it will be the weekend of november 13th so i think it's the 12th 12th and 13th okay i believe of november no okay that's right so then so then as soon as you get back from that it's like uh full speed onto indoor huh yep and actually, that was exciting news. I was able to, I'm shooting my, my Invicta 40 right now with a 60-pound limbs on it. I've been able to work my way into those. Uh, I just cranked them down to 52 pounds. But, so I've, I've designated that boat indoor only. Okay. So I can still be ready for that, but still practice outdoors. And you're shooting the 37 for, um, for, Out, uh, yeah, for outdoor? Yeah, for the target. Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that is that more of like a speed thing, or just do you feel like it holds a little better for outside? For me, it was it started off as a speed thing, and right now I'm so comfortable with it outside. I don't really want to change anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the speed, I just I don't think I would get the speed out of the bigger bow right now, outdoors. But I'd like. So, I had a. Uh, this is a, I have a question for you from, uh, a member, a listener who's a female. Um, and she wants to know like who have your influences been in archery through the years? She actually asked two questions. I'm going to ask two. Oh, you know what? I'm going to read you the second part because it might kind of tie into the first one. And cause she also asked, um, have you had female archery mentors? Um, what did you learn from them or how does it differ from the, um, the men's game? Um, so I've had a lot of mentors, I believe in the sport of archery. I think early on, I mean, it's ever evolving. Um, my, my cousins got me into it. I am my female cousin and her husband first mentors. And once you get to a certain point with them, you kind of grow out of it and you go to the next one. Um, the dailies, Tommy Daly and Erica. Uh, they helped me out a bunch in the very beginning as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I still look up to them and look for any advice from them. They've been in the industry for a while. Um, and my oldest brother as well, even though that was a struggle just because nobody likes to listen to their siblings. Yeah, that, that could be tough. <laughs> yeah. Um, but through, I mean, everybody at, at Wilderness too, everybody on the team, I mean, it's just, just been this, and gradual uphill, I just keep working my way up. And I mean, Buck Heron has a, lot, a ton of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, he's helped me out a lot. Randy Long, uh, very like all local talent that know a lot about archery. So, I so got, it was never more. It was never like you sought out female mentorship per se. It was just 
it was just yeah, whoever, I, whoever whoever you felt at that time that was in your proximity, male or female, you were going to get yes. the information. Exactly. And I, all growing up, I always thought I got along better with males and females anyway. So I guess I was kind of shy, I mm-hmm. think, in that aspect. Um, and then I actually met Paige Pierce. And this was even before her and my brother got together. Um and we shot one of the outlaws together and did really well. And we became friends. And I like, still to this day look up to her. And I will ask her questions when I'm struggling. Um, I mean, she's just, she's amazing at archery. She's been doing this for so long. And she has a ton of knowledge. And she's shot every, every style, everything. And she excels at it. So any, I try to not be blinded by any one person's point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a huge mentor in um, my outlaw partner for years, uh, Dave, and he helped me out a lot. I learned a ton from him. But, I mean, now it's just like I try to take all the information I know and have been taught and run with it and yeah. see what works for me, what doesn't. Um, Has, um, it just depends on when, – when, when Dave was your outlaw partner – would you say, did do you feel like you made the most gains while you were um, partnered up with Dave during Outlaws? Was that like a, because I mean, I know some people hate him, some people love him, you know, every, there's, you know, there's that whole thing, but you you take all of that out of the equation or that time that, you know, Dave stepped on my toenail and, you know, he's a jerk for it. Like, um, <laughs> you can't argue that that man is like one of the greatest shooters of all time. Absolutely. You know, and I learned so much from him, like not only, uh, form, uh, just technical, like working on my own bow. Mm-hmm. Like I learned a lot from that. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think my biggest gains were in the time that I knew him and shot with them consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I've never really had a coach and that was probably the closest thing to somebody watching me shoot so much and be like, Hey, don't do that. Do this. Don't do that. Do this. And so I think it is very, very helpful to have some sort of guidance in, in that aspect. Yeah. I felt like when, uh, when we had that seminar at Pacifica and he came out and taught that, like, I feel like, I feel like I benefited a tremendous amount from Dave um, like, like he just sort of filled in a few of those, uh, a few things for me that needed to be filled in. And then, yeah. and then the times that, you know, we were on the same target together when he was your outlaw partner and, you know, we were on the same target, you know, getting, getting little nuggets. Um, like there's definitely, um, you know, I learned a lot from him as well, but, um, I think when, when you weren't busy killing birds, when I wasn't, yeah, killing innocent hummingbirds, yeah, what was that, 35 <laughs> yards uphill? <laughs> Somebody posted that on, on one of the forums, like, has anyone, like, they shot, like, a blackbird or some bird landed on there, and then, like, I forgot, from Washington, uh, from Washington um, what's his name, he hangs, he hangs out with all those, like, with Wade and all those guys up there. Uh, not Blake. Ken. Obviously not. Ken White. Oh, Kent White. Kent, yeah, Kent. Yeah, Kent was like, oh, yeah, he's like, uh, Rudy Sandoval shot a hummingbird at like, you know, 25 yards. And I was like, man, I'm like, that, all that, 
folklore. I'm like, by now, I, I would have imagined that distance to be 100 yards. <laughs> well, I know. Exaggeration. <laughs> well, I did it not long after you did yours on the practice range. I, I saw it through my scope. I'm like, there's no way it'll move. Like, I didn't even see it. I didn't. I saw nothing. <laughs> like, so at the time it was funny because at that time I was running um, the Spot Hog um, like scope housing, mm-hmm. and um, I used to joke around because Buck Heron was like, "Here, try a black dot with a fiber through it," and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna call this the Buckhole." <laughs> <laughs> and so like, so I tell people I was running the Buckhole at the time. And it's like, so it was basically a black dot with a fiber in it. And it's like, so I can see it. Like all I could see was that my dot was sort of blending in with some orange and I just made my shot. And then everyone was like, holy shit, you shot the fucking hummingbird. <laughs> and I was like, I saw it drop. I was there. I was like, Ooh, Rudy, yeah. but you still caught the, you caught the 11. Yeah. That, that was, was cra- that was crazy. Like you can, you can make that up. Um, so but, I'm um, glad I witnessed it. Uh, but to answer yeah. the, the listener's second question as far as the difference between, like, if a male coach is better for a female or a female coach is better for a female, I think if you find somebody that you're comfortable with and that understands, like, it just wants to take the time to see how, like, your like we all know, everybody's body works differently. Not one form is not set for everybody. Um you just find somebody that's comfortable to talk to and that you're comfortable being around you that wants to work with you. Mm-hmm. I think that's more important than being male or female. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I think, uh, outside of maybe like average drawings and certain geometries of different bows, like, I mean, my personal feelings are like, like men and women in archery aren't that different. No, you know? I mean, if you, I mean, let's just be real. Like you, your draw length is an inch longer than mine. <laughs> right. And your drawing to be more accurately is two inches longer than Wendell's. So if oh, anything, I'm going to say Wendell shoots in what would be a like girl category above, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but oh, poor Wendell. and really the only thing that, that makes anything anything different is your ability or strength to pull the bow back right so that that's the only variable i think where like some girls um i'm gonna say most girls now or most women in target archery you know if you're pulling more than 50 pounds i mean there's i personally don't see the difference between um the men's class and the Whoa, I think I just lost Heather here. Um, I'm going to call her right back. Sorry about that interruption. Little technical difficulties here. Hi, you've reached Heather Gore. Please leave a message and I will get back to you as soon as I can. And, um... At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or press 1 for more options. Uh, hi, Heather. This is Rudecast Archery. We were just doing a podcast and we lost you here. Um, oh, look, she's calling me back. Okay, hello, you there? I am there. I got right. cut off. 
it yeah the phone just dropped there you know what's funny is i didn't stop recording and i left oh, you a good. funny voicemail while recording <laughs> so you know <laughs> you know that'll be fun this will be yeah for sure it'll be good for the writing you know for that algorithm you know that algorithm is a is a temperamental thing <laughs> uh anyways like, i don't know I, I don't see what the difference really is between men and women other than a few like you know you know geometry things like yeah if you're built a certain way i agree i mean yes women and men are are built slightly different there's different body mechanics but mm -hmm. You look at men and women, and I mean, there's a lot of men that shoot with a hyperextended elbow, which is generally more of a, a girl thing, I think people say. But then you look at a lot of women, they do it too. But then there's some with a bent elbow, some have high back elbows, some have flat backs. Mm -hmm. like, there's so everybody shoots differently. It's just all what works for you and what's comfortable. And you, you see a variety of people like working in a bow shop too. Like, I mean, I've seen yeah. men that are super short in a short draw, and they can barely pull 40 pounds. And then I've seen like, I actually had a woman come in who was 29 inches in draw length and could pull 60 pounds. And I'm like, she's like, so do you have like a, like any girls bows? And I'm like, you just sh need to shoot a regular bow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like here's an RX five go nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so, but, um, well, that's cool. So, so, um, I like that you've had a variety of different mentors and you've been able to take away, you know, information from, you know, a lot of different sources. Um, what uh, what are your goals after this e this event in Jordan? Um, are you gonna is like are you gonna go to uh, Lan Excuse me, are you gonna go to Lancaster or in Vegas? I'm I'm sure you're gonna go to Vegas. Yeah, definitely Vegas. Uh, I mean, in a perfect world, I would say absolutely go to Lancaster too. Uh, it's a really really cool tournament that they put on over there, uh, but it's going to be kind of a day at a time just with, just with my, like I said, I'm not a full-time archer. I have a full-time job also. So depending on how that goes, uh, as long as I can get the time off, I'll be there. Nice. Um, and obviously I'd like to do NFAA internationals too. Just kind of do hit all the, the main ones. Um, probably try to go to a few local events at the end of the year. I even talked about trying to go up to Washington. They've got a pretty good, schedule planned up there for an indoor season it looks like um at a blake shop triple x archery yeah um i i talked to brian today and i've been talking with randall um and so i think like we're pretty close to coming up with at least three tournaments so between the spot um and um impact and then at pacifica Randall seems to think that we're they're going to be able to go ahead and host the Bay Area Open this year. Oh, nice! So like he'll keep. Yeah, that I might going. have to have to check out and see if Wilderness is going to be able to do one also. Yeah, be posted on that. I posted a a solo a, a second solo episode here, um, like right before I got on um, the call with you, and um, I I talked about that a little bit. I think. Um, Alex is going to try to find a location in, in down South. Um, but if I don't hear back from him shortly, I might just reach out to a few shops and see if, you know, they'd be willing to host something or at least put some dates up that makes sense. So like, we're not like, make it so where like, we're not all stepping on each other's toes. Exactly. Um, so, 
but yeah, I mean, it would be kind of cool to drive up to Washington and, and go to one of Blake's tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm definitely down to, to go up there. I know Al's always down. Maybe we can all carpool on one of those up there. Yeah, that would be good. Save a little money. Exactly. It's all about saving money. Um, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll bring uh, the Chateau of Padilla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like Washington might be a little cold for the chef. Yeah, KOA. Day. No, he's got a canvas one with like a tent. With like oh, a, it's got a heater? Oh, yeah. All right. That works. Uh, I, I'm a sissy, though. I don't, I'm don't. i not used to that Bay Area cold weather. <laughs> You'll be fine. Um, <laughs> well, awesome. So I, re- I really appreciate you coming on and, and chatting with me again, and thank you for uh, sharing uh, what's uh, all, what's been going on with you. Um I'd love to have you back on again sometime. Yeah, uh, that'd be awesome. My platform is always available to you. If something comes up and you want to, if you call me up and be like, hey, I got some news and I just want to talk to people, I'm always down. All right, I'm in. Awesome. So um, I'm going to ask again, even though last time you gave me some smart-ass comment, is there anything that you'd like to share that I didn't ask about with the audience? Uh, I can't think of anything right now. All right. At the moment, I I like the questions. I like that was really cool having a, a listener have a question. So Absolutely. if anybody wants to ask questions after this podcast, they are more than welcome to message me or ask when you post it right there. So yeah. Um, well, thank you for being so accessible. And um, you know, I know I know Kenny's dinner is getting cold. So um... <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Heather. Bye, Rudy. Bye. will conclude this evening's entertainment.